0: You're listening to Bridge the Gap, a podcast that presents conversational discussion about topics in accounting and auditing in an attempt to bridge the gap between theory and practice. And today we're gonna build a bridge that connects the following three topics. Forrest Gump, auditing standard AUC 520, and the concept of synchronicity. They're all connected by their dealings with logical relationships we're going to see exactly how that works. I'm Rob Valdez and together we're going to bridge the gap. The conversation today begins with a advertising and public relations agency and the name of this agency is The Marketing Arm. The Marketing Arm is a very large agency and they produce something that's Pretty important in the industry. It's called the Davy Brown Index. And the Davy Brown Index, or DBI, is a rating system that quantifies and qualifies consumer perceptions of celebrities. So they take all these different personalities actors, musicians, uh, athletes, and sports personalities, coaches, designers, chefs, models, politicians all these people and they create this poll. And they rate all these people, these personalities that they're including in their survey, on areas of appeal, breakthrough, influence, trust, endorsement, aspiration, these kinds of topics. So they're conducting a survey where they're having celebrities uh, basically be rated according to these areas. And the interesting thing is that in 2014, Tom Hanks was determined to be the most trusted person he came at the top of the trust category but for tom hanks this was not at all a first time occurrence he's been at or near the top of this trust category for a long time and if you think this is an isolated occurrence with the DBI, the davy brown index it's not a lot of other uh, publications perform these types of surveys or similar surveys as well readers digest performs uh, a similar survey, and Tom Hanks comes at the top of Trust in that survey as well. And so the question is, why do we trust Tom Hanks so much? Is it uh, because he was Josh Baskin in the movie Big, or Andrew Beckett in Philadelphia, or Chuck Nolan in Castaway, or Woody from Toy Story, Captain John Miller from Saving Private Ryan? What is it about all these roles that causes us to develop this trust for him. He plays characters that are they're endearing and they're trustworthy, but they're the roles. They're not Tom Hanks himself. And we know this obviously. He's an actor. He's pretending to be someone that he's not, and yet we connect the person to the role. So, why do we believe there's a correlation between Tom Hanks and the role that he plays or any actor and the role that they play? why do we think they're related at all why do we trust forrest gump and this is a good question because psychologists have thought about this idea for quite a while Uh, social psychologists specifically deal with this concept of how these relationships are formed how these understandings and trust and associations are formed and psychologists have a name for incorrect conclusions about relationships and data. They call it an illusory correlation. So that's a correlation that effectively is an illusion. We correlate two ideas or we consider them to have a relationship and they don't really. The term illusory correlation comes from a study published in 1976 in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology. And these two psychologists, David Hamilton and Robert Gifford, performed a test. And they had test subjects read two lists. There was a list of descriptions about a group, group A, and then another list of descriptions about a separate group, group B. And group A would have a long list, and group B would have a short list of very distinctive descriptions. Both lists would have an equal proportion of good things and bad things to say about these groups of people. It's just that A had the longer list. But when they went back and asked the test subjects about which group was actually worse, subjects always responded group B. The results was that whichever list had the the shorter list of more distinctive characteristics, the subjects believed that they were actually a, a worse group or that these characteristics that were described were more representative. And they called that the illusory correlation effect. And they said that it comes from the distinctiveness of those traits being from a small population and being easily remembered. Because when you have a few things to remember and those few things are distinct, they essentially become easy to imprint on your mind and represent as an idea of the whole group. So what what does that mean? It means we form stereotypes and associations more easily. When we're working with a small sample and when the attributes of the samples are more distinct so maybe with tom hanks and other actors the distinctive nature of the relatively small window that we have into their lives creates an illusory correlation it has the icy effect on us that we create some unfounded belief about their character about what they're actually like as a person and understanding how these Illogical beliefs are formed, is especially important for people whose work involves judgment. And as accountants and auditors, we're constantly evaluating relationships among financial and non financial data. Uh, As a matter of fact, auditors are always performing analytical procedures. Auditing standard AUC 520 defines analytical procedures as the evaluations of financial information through analysis of plausible relationships among both financial and non-financial data. So what you're really looking for here is how do things relate? When one goes up, does the other also go up? When one goes down, does the other go up? Do they have a negative correlation? Do they have a positive correlation? What's the relationship? Auditing Standard AUC 520 Uh, deals exactly with this process, the process of conducting analytical procedures. And it says that the use of analytical procedures can be used as substantive procedures, and then you also have to perform them near the conclusion. So basically, when you have... Auditing standard AUC 315, that one requires you to perform analytical procedures in the beginning of the audit. And then this standard AUC 520 requires you to perform analytical procedures at the end of the audit. So no matter what, your audit is bookended by analytical procedures. And then AUC 520 also discusses the substantive analytical procedures, which are what you use as audit evidence when you're responding to areas identified as risks. And obviously the goal is to obtain relevant and reliable evidence when you're using these procedures. And then these things help you form an overall conclusion about whether or not the financial statements are free of material misstatement. So you're asking yourself, does this whole picture make sense? Essentially, do the pieces fit together? And the topic AUC 520 actually even refers to the fact that uh, The reasons that make relationships plausible are important. Because sometimes you think there's a relationship when there's not. And sometimes you don't see a relationship that actually exists. So the content of this auditing standard itself actually warns against the effects of illusory correlations and the risks of illusory correlations. And then auditing standard AUC 520 gives instructions for how we're supposed to perform substantive analytical procedures. So when you're designing and you're performing these procedures, you have to determine that the procedure is gonna be suitable, that it's actually gonna work, that it addresses the assertion that you identified as a risk and that it's a relationship that indeed exists. You gotta make sure that there's not some illusory correlation that you have in your mind. And so an example is, if revenue goes up, it's logical in most cases to assume that, for example, cost of goods sold might go up. There could be reasons why that is not the case, but that's typically the kind of logical association that you make. And then you're supposed to evaluate the reliability of the data. Uh, so, when you're using this revenue information, and you're using the cost of goods sold information, how reliable is this data? Is it coming from an information system that is capturing all of the transactions? Is the control environment suitable that it's producing information that is that is useful and that can be relied upon? And then, the third requirement, when you're designing and performing analytical procedures, is you have to develop an expectation. So you can't just go into this blindly. You have to have some understanding of the relationship and you have to start your procedure with that so that when you go into it and you actually calculate this analytical procedure, you compare this information or you calculate this ratio that you can compare it to your expectation. And then before you do that, you also have to determine what is the amount of difference that you're willing to accept. In other words, If the ratio is a certain percentage higher or lower than last year or than your expectation, you have to predetermine what is your amount of difference that is acceptable. And then, of course, anytime there's any difference that's beyond that amount, that's acceptable, then that would be an inconsistent result, and whenever there's an inconsistent result in your analytical procedure, you have to inquire of management, and then you have to obtain additional appropriate audit evidence that's relevant to management's responses. Essentially, you have to substantiate what they're saying. And AUC 520 says there are certain things that have to be documented when performing a substantive analytical procedure so that expectation that we were talking about your expectation of the results you have to document that of course you have to document the results of the comparison as well and then if the difference is greater than you are willing to accept then you have to document any additional auditing procedures that you perform and it's Interesting that because the objective of financial reporting is providing useful information to financial statement users, we often find ourselves making these judgments about relationships, about causality, about meaning, and about how things actually connect. And the psychologist Carl Jung believed that by looking at causal relationships of things, you only capture part of the picture of how they connect. He's someone who dealt very deeply with this topic. And he developed this word, synchronicity, to describe a kind of connectedness of things through meaning, and that would be indifferent to their cause. This was a very important concept in psychology, which he developed over a number of years. As a matter of fact, in his book, Synchronicity, which was published in 1952, Carl Jung tells a story about a patient that he couldn't get through to because she was so impenetrably logical, always deferring to reason. And one day, during session, she was describing an elaborate dream where someone gave her a piece of jewelry called a golden scarab. And while Carl Jung was listening, he heard a tapping against the window. He opened up the window and an insect flew in. He caught the insect in his hands and looked at it, and it was a scarab beetle. Then he handed it to her, and he said, Here is your scarab. And this event was so completely illogical that it was beyond her explanation and beyond her understanding, and it caused that bubble of logic and reason that she was using uh, to fall down and allowed a breakthrough in her therapy. And so it's very interesting that searching for the meaning Of information isn't always as clear as we would like it to be and as we're analyzing financial and other data we have to be careful of how we make judgments so that we don't fall victim to illusory correlations and so that we don't overlook the correlations that are real and that are present and because we're responsible for the judgments that we make and that the users of financial statements are depending on this burden rests with us The practice of making judgments about the meaning of information in financial statements is just a small window into an exercise that we all perform, and maybe Forrest Gump put it best when he said, I don't know if we each have a destiny or if we're all just floating around accidental like on a breeze, but I think maybe it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. If you have any comments on this discussion or any suggestions that you'd like to make, visit the blog at bridgethegap.com or write me an email directly, rob at bridgethegap.com. Remember to look up the podcast in iTunes and subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, I'd appreciate you leaving a review in iTunes. As always, thanks for listening.